Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us today. We are wrapping up a series completely clean. And if you're new to the program, thank you for joining us. We're always over at pathdesign.com. And uh, you can share and like these videos and whatever. You know what to do. Or don't do. I'm telling you, those things just don't much matter as long as people are, are gleaning something from what we're saying. We believe in quality over quantity in the sense of like, what is this stirring in the people who are watching? Because give me two people who are getting what the Father's speaking, I'd take that over 2,000 views any day of the week. Why? Because this is about us changing our lives and shifting from this to this and the constant pull and tension of redefining what we believe is true and expanding our understanding of this invitation to be what, man? The people of God. The people of Yahweh Elohim. Man, don't even get me started that Two years ago, was it two years ago? I don't know. Man, it was almost like two years ago right now that I started coming into the understanding that started with King Hezekiah. Has it been three years? I don't know. It's irrelevant, except I wanted to get things precise. That I started reading about what I called, I titled this message then, King Hezekiah and the Second Chance People of God with the Passover understanding. And man, the Father started taking something I knew this much of and like expanded in me like a like a mushroom cloud from a bomb, man. And it's just continued and continued to like, it's changed my entire life. It's changed my entire identity. It's changed how I, how I and my priestly function in my home. It's changed how I pray for strangers. It's changed how I how I look at the world and why we're even here. It's changed my entire life of giving myself to the perpetual people of Yahweh Elohim. Friend, he's not merely just God. He's, he, is, he is the Elohim of Elohims and there is none like him. His righteous right rulings is how he designated who is his people and who are not. And it's time for us to give ourselves to that and get outside of this box that we've placed the, the Christianity of our age and put the name Jesus on it and closed the door, wrapped it up in grace-covered wrapping paper and put it on a shelf because it's all done. We just sit now. We just wait for him to come get us. Friends, we've missed out. We've not been handed the full gospel We've not been handed it. Now, we talked about what the gospel even is and how the gospel is, is ancient. How, how Yahweh has always made a way for his people, for any humanity, in all of humanity, to know him. He has extended an invitation. We even talked about Cain, man. The one who first spilled blood on the earth was given the extension of, of mercy by the Father to say, if only you would turn. If only you would confess and turn to me and please me and do what I've asked, I would have received you back unto myself. But here we are, endless generations later, still a stiff-necked, hard-hearted people who think we know how to please God. I'm going to bring you what I decide is best, and you're an awesome God who loves me, so surely you'll receive it. Friend, that is not a biblical pattern. And again, without going into it, 
For the last couple weeks, I've been working on a study about vain worship. It's almost done. As with anything we put our hands to here, it becomes too long too quickly. But we're going to talk about when Yeshua said, these worship me in vain. That just struck me, and I thought, are these people worshiping him? I, all right, we're not going to crack open that one. We're going to bring this series to a close. This is um, completely clean. And we've talked about this Greek word, katharos, and we've poked a little bit into Psalm 119 in the, in the Old Testament understanding of clean or, or purified. And how we're told in the scriptures many times, as we even talked about Paul's instructions to the church at Corinth about cleanse yourselves, purify yourselves. Now that blows a hole in our doctrine of do nothing. I don't know how we miss that, but there is something for us to tend to now to be rightly presentable unto the Father according to what he deems as clean, what he defines as pure. And so we've been talking about that, of course. We wrapped up the last one, how, how, how Paul was quoting Leviticus and Exodus as well about, about what it even means to be clean. Come out from their midst, be separate, don't touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, is what Paul is quoting to the church at Corinth from Exodus and Leviticus. Now we are saying... Why would he do that if that was no longer relevant for a New Testament church? He's telling them, we have already been told what is unclean. We've already been told that. So we have to base ourselves, our lives, Corinthian church, base your life, your conduct, what you do and what you don't do, upon what you have already been told, what we've been teaching you. Again, what? How the church was birthed, the law and the prophets. So that's why he said, cleanse ourselves from defilement of flesh and of spirit. And so we talked about the living temple reality, about the living temple people, the, the prophecy, if you will, that is in the scripture that, that where Yahweh revealed in Exodus and Leviticus a people that would be a living temple people, that the prerequisite, just a couple of many, is you shall keep my Sabbaths and fear my sanctuary. And if you follow statutes, if you observe my commands, and if you perform them, carry them out and do them, if you do these things, you will be a living temple for me. It's this prophecy from, from the Father himself about what's going to come through his Son. But we have forgotten the prerequisite. We're just in Jesus now, but the question that's really hard and harsh is like, can we really be a living temple void from, from the rest of these verses? I don't want to be that guy. I'm not ready to be that harsh yet, but it's a valid question that we have to really investigate and ask ourselves. How do we pick and choose which one of these verses we adhere to and which ones we kick to the curb? How do we do that? That's dangerous ground, man. That's really a biblical example and definition of lawless ones ones who create their own law, ones who do what the Pharisees did, which is like, look, we're fine with Torah and all that is what they were saying, but we've got our own law now too. And then we get to a point where we even exalt it over the perfect law of the Father, and then you got a major problem because you're lawless because of your own law, if that makes sense. Because there's only one law. There has to be. 
Otherwise, law is nebulous, and whatever you think is right, and what I think is right, and what she thinks is right, is law. There has to be one capital L law, Torah. There has to be one commandment, which is what? No other gods. I mean, it has to all go back to the one, which is what am I, what am I saying in, in paraphrase version, because I'm probably not being clear. There's one Yahweh Elohim. There's one lawgiver, period. And if it doesn't come from him, be sourced in him, it's not law. It's not. Even if it comes through grace Jesus, where we create our own doctrine of do what we want, it's not. It's lawlessness. I feel like that's always made clear. Uh, so as Paul stated specifically, these things are dependent on being ones who are clean, free from being defiled. Again, how do we know what clean is? How do we know what being defiled is? We have been told. Now, Isaiah chapter 1 starts out. Now, Isaiah, of course, is a very complex book, uh, this, this prophetic vision and, and everything that, excuse me, the prophet Isaiah saw and experienced and then recorded. But it starts out with a very harsh word from Yahweh to his people, not to the world, not to the fallen, rebel, rebellious sinner world, but to his people. Now, he says this, quote, wash yourselves clean. Now, in the Old Testament, this word specifically in Hebrew is zakah. Zakah. This is a, a, a very close equivalent to the New Testament um, clean that we've been talking about. So he says in, in Isaiah, right out of the gate at chapter 1, Wash yourselves clean, purified, zakah. Get your evil deeds out of my sight, exclamation point. Stop doing evil, learn to do good, exclamation point. Okay, so again, we're sticking to this kind of Again, man, this is a surface scratch. Remember what I said at the very beginning of this series? This is a molecule of biblical understanding towards clean and unclean, um, defiled, undefiled, okay? This is nothing. This is barely anything by comparison of how much we could get into. So wash yourselves clean. Get out of my sight with all this evil lawlessness. Stop doing it. Learn to do good. So here this... this principle that I'm presenting continues because it's all throughout the word of God. So what is good? If Yahweh says to his people, wash yourselves clean, zakah, purify yourself, and learn to do what is good, what is good? Right? Like this is a question that again is so redundant. I understand. These are questions I ask myself. These are questions brothers in my life are always asking. How do we know what is good? We cannot just presume and assume that we know what is good because if we leave these biblical commands up to our own definition, we will be a wayward people and the church will look like she does. Who says what is good? Who defines what is good and what is evil? If we're commanded to leave what is evil, stop doing it, and learn to do good, how do we become clean, zakah, if we don't biblically know what Yahweh says is unclean? How do we do that? I'm talking practical daily life routine now. How do we do that? So back to John chapter 12, to the text we've been looking at, um, to bring this, this series to a conclusion. Now, interestingly, the, the one that Yeshua deemed 
already clean, Peter in verse 10, he still asked the rabbi to wash his feet, his hands, and his head, as we keep going back to. I love this because it shows the posture and humility of heart of Peter. Peter got it in this case. In this instance, he understood what Yeshua was presenting. Because again, he was already clean. Okay? We do not we're not have we don't have time to go back and read the text four times. But in verse 10, he was told he was already completely clean. But Peter didn't care. And I think this is the beauty, excuse me, of what we can glean from this. Peter just said, Okay, the Messiah has deemed me already completely clean, but you know what? Wash my feet, my hands, and my head anyway. Because if that's what it takes to be with you, as we read in the text specifically, I'm going to be with you. So do it all. Clean me. Show me what needs to be cleaned. There's probably something else. On any one of us, as we already alluded to a little bit earlier, any one of us, any one of us could say, well, I'm not Judas. I would never betray the Messiah. That's not really the point in, in this part of the text and and surely not the point of what we're talking about today that's merely the fruit if you will of uncleanliness the fruit is betrayal and and, you know we've made this so juvenile betrayed is he gave jesus away for a bag of money and how could anyone be so foolish well, it's not really about that it's about as with anything in the entire word of god beginning to end Everything about what Yahweh is trying to teach teach us is about our heart, the heart of man, the heart of man, our heart condition. So the whole issue is, the whole issue really is Judas was a divided heart man. He was, he was capable of being influenced, capable of being deceived. It goes all the way back to the garden deception the problem really even wasn't the fall. This is, I know this gets kind of deep real fast. This is just kind of how I think about this. And I've had the opportunity to share this with many people over the years. The, the issue really isn't even the rebellion and the taking of the fruit. The issue is that something in the heart of humanity is off. And ha- we all have the propensity to be lawless ones who disregard and, and devalue the commands of the Father. I said that years ago, before I came into the present understanding that I have today. But now it really makes sense and is clear to me. We are a people who want our own way. We want to define what is clean, what is unclean. We, human beings, want to define what is holy and unholy. We want to define our own rulings, our own ways. Which is interesting because that's what the deceiver says and that's what we're prophesied will be the case in the end of the age is lawlessness. As in the days of Noah, where men's hearts are towards evil continually. What does that mean? We're making our own ways. We are calling evil good and good evil. Another prophecy of what's to come and I would say is now here. We, I believe the greatest heart issue within humanity that, 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 encompasses from Exodus or from from Genesis rather to the end of the age of, of this earth as we know it. 
The greatest issue is that mankind hates Yahweh's law. They hate his right rulings. Which really, at the heart of it, just means I know a better way. I know a better way, which was what? Again, I don't know how we landed here, but like that was the garden deception presented to Adam and Eve from the deceiver. Who did what? What did he do, y'all? He exalted himself, trying to be like Yahweh Elohim of Elohims by saying, you can't tell me what to do. I will ascend to the Most High. I will be like him. I'll be the lawgiver. I'll be the principal setter. I will say what is and what is not. And y'all, Yahweh will not have it. If he wouldn't let an, an angel, cherubim, seraphim, we won't get into the Luciferian explanation, but like, if he would not allow it from a heavenly host, do you think he's going to allow it from a mere man? No. That's why, that's why we just read this. Wash your hands clean. Get your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing evil. Why? It can't be in his presence, which connects us to what we're saying is now we're the living temple, which again was prophesied, if you will, of Exodus and Leviticus, where Paul quoted it to the Corinthians. This is all interconnected. It all is intertwined. So Peter, in humility, said, Hey, wash, wash me all over, Messiah. Wash me all over. Judas, again, heart issue. Lawlessness at his heart. He betrayed the Messiah because he was deceived to believe what was right. He called good evil and evil good and made a huge error but again, it was all the plan of the Father. And Yeshua knew, knew it as we started out with back in part one. He knew his betrayer was at the table. The ones who see the Master and have no issue with humbly going to him to be cleansed completely will be cleansed. Whether they even need it or not. Okay? This is a pattern that would be good for all of us. This one, like Peter will remain clean entirely. This one will rightly receive all that the suffering servant is willing to give, just like we saw in natural, physical form with Yeshua washing them. For ones postured like Peter who says, you know what? You're telling me I'm already clean, but clean me again. Clean me again. I believe this is a principle. Clean me again. so that I can be with you, which was the promise of what, of what Yeshua said. If you want to be in me, with me, along me, hidden with me, you must be clean, completely clean. And again, we have been told how to be clean by Messiah and how to cleanse ourselves time and time again throughout the scriptures. We will be held accountable, friends, because we've been told We've been told how to be found pleasing, holy, acceptable in the sight of Yahweh Elohim, as he defines it. As Yeshua said to his followers, if he lined all of us up today, he would rightly declare, not all of you are clean. That would be a very applicable statement for him to say to us, just like he said at the Passover meal with his followers. 
The Father will absolutely, hands down, covenantally to perfection, do His part to cleanse us. There's nothing left for Him to do that He has not done because He's the perfect covenant-keeping God. Friends, we divorced ourselves from His covenant. We did. Humanity. His people abandoned His ways, became an idolatrous, rebellious people who gave no more credit to their deliverer, and only because of Yeshua Messiah are you, is, are you and I invited into becoming his people. Because that's the beauty of the new covenant. is because the Father never stops pursuing his people. He never stops pursuing us. But he says, equally so, this is how you come in. This is how you are clean. This is how you are to remain undefiled. This is... This line that I have given you is how you walk out the image and likeness of your sanctification unto my son. This is how you do it. But he will always do his covenantal part. Always. That's a done deal. So what what remains then? You, me, our role, our part to cleanse ourselves, to purify ourselves. So the matter at hand to close out this series, is what we must do in our part of the process. And basically what I'm saying is, I'm not told you necessarily what to do. I'm saying you've got to know what to do. You're responsible to know. I'm responsible to study and know what this word of God tells me is clean and unclean. I have got to give myself. I will not be excused to say, well, I was in Jesus. I did the best I could. I thought I was already clean. No. Excuse me. That will not be sufficient. That will not be sufficient. We must study and know for ourselves what Yahweh says is clean, what He says is pure, what He says is completely clean. What, by His definition, does that mean? Then we must present ourselves to Him. Just like Peter did, okay? I'm, I'm going to grab that and just really drive it home to close this out. In humility, in humility and willingness to say, I am willing to admit I need the Messiah to make me completely clean. And we need to look at him in our own way and say, wash not only my hands, wash not only my feet, and wash my head, my back, my legs, my elbows, my eyeballs, my mouth. Wash me completely, entirely. That's why there's such a beauty in the understanding uh, of the Old Testament mikvah. The, the, the washing pools, the, the living water and all these things. That's why these things matter because, friend, you get dirty. Oh man, I have such a in an absolute closing. My heart hurts. I mean, hurts now when I hear people when I pose the question: Is there anything in you that needs to come out? Is there anything left to be cleansed and purified, redeemed, washed? And people labor and struggle to to say yes. It should be the first thing out of our mouth. Absolutely yes. Absolutely, yes. There is so much for me to learn, to forget, 
to add, to remove, to wash, and to be washed of. There is much for us to tend to. Why? To bring glory to the Father who purchased me as his inheritance. Who took me and said, you know what? Formerly you were nothing. You were nothing. You were sitting over there. I'm thinking of that. Is it Ezekiel? Or maybe it's Isaiah about this horrible picture of I saw you as a, as a newborn, bloody and dirty, and I picked you up and I washed you. I washed you and I wiped you off and I took you unto myself and I've cared for you and I've nurtured you and I've raised you as my own. That's why I want to be clean. That's why I want to be catharos. That's why I want to be pure in the eyes of my heavenly fathers because he's purchased me and he's made me a new creation and he's given me his Holy Spirit through the blood of Yeshua Messiah, the Son, to walk out the rest of my days becoming more and more and more and more like him. Why? Because that's what brings glory to the Father. I want him to look at me and say, man, I'm well pleased with that guy. I want to be found pleasing and clean, completely clean in the eyes of my Father. This is the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way, friends, because it's been forgotten. It's been forgotten and someone's got to dig it back up and present it. Even in this tiny attempt that this is. Why? Because this ancient path is beautiful. It's beautiful and it's so full. It's so full. It's huge and beautiful and wonderful. I hope you know it. If not, reach out to us at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email on Facebook. Send us an email on YouTube. A message. Let us know you're there. You're not alone. There's much for us to do. To be a people who were once not a people. What a beautiful invitation. So thank you for watching. Let's be completely clean. Amen.